I can show you my new e-reader. Oh, your knockoff China one? Oh, my super knockoff China one, but I kind of love it. So it can be warm, which is my two things that I really wanted in it was that it has a warm backlight and not a cool backlight. And then also USB, a bigger screen, which I have, and USB-C charging. Like if it just has this, this what it is oh, right now. Oh, it does now, have USB-C. That's cool. Yes. I found... Yeah, because it's like the one, this Kindle is like the one device that I still have that I use on a regular basis that uses micro, <laughs> micro, US, micro yeah. USB. Um, so I'm trying to, if I travel, yeah, I would like everything to be USB-C. I had that when I was traveling where I had to have like the one tiny USB-C or not the uh, USB micro mini, the little trapezoid one, the mini. Yeah, I hate that. So, but the one, I found one problem with it. This does not charge USB-C to USB-C. It charges only USB-A to USB-C. So it's not USB-PD uh, compatible, which is fine because I have bricks that are USB-A to USB-C. As so what does that mean? It can't do charging and data at the same time? No, it means it can't do USB-C power delivery. It just uses okay. the regular right. USB-C sta USB standard for power. Um, but you can see it has, look at the, all those Android apps. <laughs> so it's what, 10, 10 inch, 11 inch? This is, uh, I think it's 7.9. It's like an iPad mini size. It's like, yeah, it's like iPad mini size. It's so weird. Um, it looks like a, it looks like a, um, like a jailbroken Android, like a side loaded thing with just a weird custom paddle. <laughs> here's Ki like if it just ran the Kindle app, I would be fine with it. So it runs, look how fast it loads. Yeah. And then you're going to start reading my books. It's pretty fast. Like yeah. if it just did that, it would be great. But you can do all this other cool stuff. So another thing is it does inking. So it has, an, it has a Wacom digitizer on it. And this is like the closest thing I've seen to like paper, uh -huh. like actually, actually writing on paper. Yeah. And then, oh, it has an eraser. So like, so you can just like run the eraser across it. Mm-hmm. So, I really so so far so good. Only only knock against it is that it's expensive. How much was it? It's like three hundred bucks. Okay. But I think I might be using it for not a notes, and now now next time you tell me I need paper for things <laughs> I got wrong, I'll just use this. Yeah. And I can't and I can't click the pen. Worth the expense. Guess how many books I've read since in the last five days. Um, well, according to my math, to see if you're on track, um, you would need to read uh, 1.66 books a day times five <laughs> days. So you should be 8.3 books in to be on track. I am halfway through my 12th book. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been crazy. Uh yeah, so the goal of reading 50 productivity books, learning books, what have you, in 30 days. Uh, yeah, so it's basically halfway, this would technically be halfway through the sixth day, like five and a half days. And I'm 11 and a you're half well ahead. books You're in. well ahead. Yeah. yeah. And that worried me. I definitely, I definitely considered that. I, I tried to make sure I was reading... The goal roughly is to every Friday, Saturday, Sunday to try to read two books and then every normal weekday to read at least one book. 
Um, so yeah, I, and it's, it's balanced out. I've read a few books that were way larger than I thought they were going to be like 600 page books. When a lot of these businessy books are sometimes like 250, 300 pages. Uh, and then I've read a couple that I downloaded basically based on the cover. Like I went onto the overdrive library app cause I, I love using that. And I, I found some books and I was like, eh, it looks, it looks kind of neat. And I pick it up and it's like a hundred page, basically ebook, or there's just like some quotes and some, a little more frilly stuff in it. So <laughs> it balances out a little bit. <laughs> so in terms of the challenge, have you picked a set 50 books by now? Not or are you just doing like, I'm doing these books from maybe some lists and then like, as I'm going, I'm just picking new ones. More the latter. Like I've, okay. I've, I always keep like talking about the Trello stuff again that we've talked about before on the show. Like I, I generally keep some kind of tabs on what books I want to read or I'll have a list of stuff. Um, so this was in part going through a bunch of those, uh, I will be rereading a couple books that I have physically that I kind of want to return to. Uh, but for the most part, they're all new books. Um, and I'm, Right now, I've been getting most of them from the Overdrive store, but I know there's a few that I want to get that I'm going to have to buy or rent through Amazon or something like that. Yeah, I know Prime just wanted me to just had a promotion that if you you would get a free $3 Amazon credit to use with anything you want on Amazon if you are a Prime member and you, that you rent a book through the Prime... Um, like there's a prime benefit that is the prime reading library thing. So you can for free rent these books to your Kindle for free if you're a prime member. Yeah. So I did that. So I have on my Kindle right now slash my new books book, um, a book about gut bacteria health uh -huh. that, I wanna, that I'm going to read. That was part of that. So I got my free $3 credit because of that. So that you don't have Prime anymore, but that would have been a good thing because I know they have they have Prime Unlimited, which is it has a free trial. That, that yeah, that selection, I've heard of, but, but I never really have, used yeah. it. Yeah, they have Prime Unlimited, and but then they have this like just Prime Lending Library that has a selection of free ones. But same problem that you just said. You look at things, and a lot of them are if they're not by big authors, they're like these like Kindle singles or like these like self published things that are like how to get rich quick, right? Kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like a three page pamphlet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, there's one that seemed like it was a really cool book and it's called, it always seems impossible until it's done. I was like, all right, that sounds good. It's about like project management, getting projects done, just whatever. It's literally 300 pages of quotes and not even like their quotes, like literally like a quote from Steve Jobs, a quote from some random person, a quote from a musician. There, there are definitely ebooks that will teach you how to make ebooks like <laughs> right. that so you will make money, and I've seen them. Yeah, so there's a little bit of a balance, but I've already read some incredible books, and I have a blog post that will go up um, when, when the first bonus intro to this challenge goes up, uh, talking about the first five books that I've read. Um, it, it's been, it's been cool. Like it, it's been really fun in some ways. Uh, I will say I am always tired. <laughs> <laughs> I have, so can you, 
Can you, like, with the tire thing, so when do you find, A, my questions are as follows. <laughs> a, when do you find time to do this? Mm-hmm. B, what are the books that you read so far and what are their page numbers? Okay, uh, where do I find the time to do this? Well, I basically know that I have basically most of Friday off as well as the weekends. So it was an early jump start to things. So the goal is basically to just read a lot whenever I have free time. And it's been a combination of uh, books on Kindle, physical books, and audiobooks. And the audiobooks have certainly helped. So I've listened oh, to... Oh, well, that doesn't count as reading. <laughs> oh, it does. Especially <laughs> when I read one of the one of the really good ones, and I'll get to the five I read, but one of them was Predictably Irrational. Okay. It was a really big book. Did I book. read that one? It was really yeah. good on, like, consumer psychology um yeah maybe i just heard about it so much i think i thought i read it yeah i i had heard about it for a long time leading up to this so there was a whole list of books i'm one of those people yeah i'm one of those people that i'll be like you'll i'll hear it so much and like i'll eventually just read it. yeah so like any book that's very popular i probably read it or it's on my list to read right so finding time basically Thus far, I've known that I have to clear a lot of stuff off my plate. Like I've basically in the last five days where I'll normally listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of YouTube, um, I've cut basically all of that out. Like I've listened to one podcast in the last five days in a couple. Focusstate.com. Yeah. <laughs> you sound like a, what are those weird audio, like audiojungle.com. Yeah, that's what I was going for. <laughs> Um, That's going to be over these until you pay for it. Right. <laughs> Just me going focusstate.com. That's Audio Jungle. That's the we Patreon model. On audio, audio, we should put these up on Audio Jungle. <gasps> Ooh. Ooh, we should make an Audio Jungle of us saying Audio Jungle that people can use. <laughs> audio, audio Jungle. Audio Jungle. <laughs> um, so tell me what books. The other, Do you like these books? Well, I'll say the other big ones okay. are... Um, I will generally watch tv or like me and rachel will watch tv kind of at the end of the night like we'll watch an episode or two of you know like american dad or bob's burgers or something kind of like that just to wind down uh i've cut the majority of that out uh i've cut the majority of sports out where normally if i'm home working or something i'll have like a sports game on like a basketball game or something uh i've watched one basketball game (laughs) and it was an important rivalry game um so yeah, it's so been, important. Yeah, so it's really been. That's kind of been the interesting thing. It's one of those revelations that isn't a revelation at all. Kind of like how I said before, like the best part of traveling on a big trip is that it just happens, and there's nothing magical about it. You just go on it, and that's the very important part. Um, in a lot of ways, I was like, this is very doable. I just have to be willing to focus my time on it, and. The interesting thing, you know, we I think we talked briefly about it on the kind of bonus intro that we did. Um, one of the reasons I thought this would work is because reading is very low stakes. Like if I had the goal, I was like, I'm not going to do anything except for build this website or write this book. The act of doing it is very high stakes. Like I'm very uh, invested in trying to do it. Everything matters a lot when I'm like, you know, trying to write, I don't know, a blog or if I ever write a book or anything like that, like it feels daunting. Whereas reading is very low stakes. Like I can just sit and read and I can make myself do that. So that's helped a lot. Um, 
I'm trying to think there. I had another point. I'm trying to think about it, but basically it's just like, I've had to tell myself to constantly read and it, it's a little strenuous, but it's been a lot of fun. And because the books are so diverse, it always feels like I'm doing something kind of new and I'm switching between audio and stuff like that. But uh, I explain in this new post that uh, will go up on Medium and we'll link to in the show notes. Um, I literally wake up and uh, I read on the Kindle app on my phone. Uh, if I'm working, I'm listening to audiobooks. If I'm at the gym, I'm listening to audiobooks. If I'm on break or something, I'm reading on my Kindle. At right, night, we I'm reading. The whole, the whole, all right. How many of these so far have been audiobooks? Uh, let me double check. I think three of okay. 12. That's not bad. We didn't specify audiobooks in our intro episode. I would have a different. I would have a different opinion. Not that I'm knocking it, because like I will usually, if someone asks me to read a book or tell you know tells me I must read this book, I will check if it's on audio first. I will most likely listen to it, right? Uh, instead of reading it, because of those reasons, because I can go to the gym or I can work out or I can you know do whatever in my life, yeah. Um, while also doing that, um, but there's just some that aren't, so I will read them, yeah. And I have double, like I am, there are two books, two of the books that I've read are, or I've listened to first were particularly irrational, which I went back through and found a bunch of the quotes and found the physical book so I could retake notes because I actually want to take those notes for later because it was a really, really good book. And the other one, uh, which isn't in my first five, but it was like the sixth book, I think was Creativity Inc., which is the Pixar story. Uh, written, uh, I think it was ghost written in part, but it was written by the, the, one of the founders of Pixar, Ed Catmull. I think that's right. Uh, and that book is amazing. I, I really love that book. But part of the reason that is, I don't know if it's funny, but it was one of the books that I read after a really late night of reading. So it was like one or so in the morning. <laughs> You're hungover from yeah. reading. <laughs> I started listening to it as I was going to go to sleep and I fell asleep with it still running. So when I woke back up, it was on like chapter 12 of 13. So I was like, that's happened to me. Before. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, all right, I'll just keep listening from here. And you actually get to hear the modern day part of Pixar where they started instituting uh, note day or note taking day or something like that, which is basically like shut down the company for a day. Let's all come together. Let's do exercises to talk about the company, how we can do things better. So you get a very modern take, which actually that was really cool. And you hear stories about like the new modern Pixar movies and the struggles they're going through and all that kind of stuff. So I basically listened to Creativity Inc. from the modern day part starting at like chapter 11 or 12, those last few chapters, and then a an uh, afterward all about Steve Jobs, which was amazing. It was one of the best little bio pieces I've heard about uh, Jobs in a long time. So it was well, nice to do- Like kind of what was that talking about? Mostly about Ed talking about how, um, you know, he mostly about how he, he doesn't really agree with the very irrational irate persona of steve jobs like he was that a little bit in his early days but how much more um caring he truly was and how like he would he earned business 
um, not by trying to do anything sneaky, but because he genuinely cared and he would ask questions about like people's families and he would go see people and, you know, the people he talked to in his kind of final days. Uh, and even after like, uh, his cancer made him step down from Apple and all these things. Like he said, he talked about the conversation that he had, that Ed had with Steve where he hung up the phone and he said he knew that was the goodbye call. Um, things like that. And it just really painted a picture that, you know, is often overlooked when people want to say that even if it's not talking about his personal life, but his business, Steve Jobs business life was, uh, very cutthroat, never cared about anybody like there, you know, there was a different side of that from somebody who was very, very close with him for 30 years, you know? Yeah. So that was really cool. And then going back, you start to hear, you know, the formulation of Pixar where Ed was even before that, the acquisition of Pixar when Steve Jobs does come on board, uh, their incorporation into Disney animation, all that stuff. And it, it's a really, really good book. Um, but yeah, it's, it is constant reading, but I'm on schedule. Things, things <laughs> are, are uh, you're, going well. You're ahead of schedule. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Don't slack though. That's what'll get you. <laughs> so the five books I read were the first one is called Captivate the Science of Succeeding with People. And it's really a book about um about like the soft science of communication, talking you know, it talks about like uh it would be a disservice to say that it just talks about eye contact and like using your hands and talking and things like that. It's it's really about finding body language. What yeah, a little bit about body language, but like finding what you're comfortable with. Because a lot of stuff is like, if you want to network, be a super bubbly, extroverted person. It's like, well, not everybody's that. And there are ways of reading body language, understanding people, playing to your strengths, even as like an introvert. Um, it's actually kind of funny. Like there are some very, like, there's a section of one of the chapters that is about like, if you're at a networking party, where are actually good places to spend your time? And it's, you know, like, you can actually take just about any event that you go to and you can kind of map out like the entry zone, the social zone and like the food and the bathrooms and stuff zone. (laughs) And there are like ways of just, you know, understanding how to communicate with a host better and like finding ways to engage in more interpersonal communication and stuff like that, which was a really cool book. It was very tactical uh, in a lot of ways. And I, I really enjoyed it. It was a good first book. Um, the second one was start with why, which is by Simon Sinek, who I don't really know his pedigree, but he, he's an author. He talks a lot about the whole concept of the book is like, if you find your why behind why you're doing something, a lot of clarity pursues, um, and most of the first half of the book, I actually really disliked because it was. Apple is really great with their why. They're the whyest company that's ever wide, and that's why they're better. That's simply why Dell and Toshiba and any other company just never had it together. I was like, no, I don't, you can't say that. Like, you can't just find the winner and then say the you know, the big company and say, the reason no other company is like that is because they were bad. Like, they just never had it. Um, but the second half of the book was really intriguing. And there's a whole section, not a section, but there's a little case study um, called the celery test, 
which if somebody reads, I thought was actually the highlight of the book. And is that the opposite of the marshmallow test? I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming. Do you know the marshmallow test? No. So the marshmallow test is like this famous test where it, it tests delayed gratification in children. Oh, right. So it, the researcher will uh, talk to this child and they'll put them in a room and they'll put a marshmallow on the table. And they'll say, here's a marshmallow. You can eat this marshmallow. Nothing bad will happen. Yep. But if you wait until I come back, you can have two marshmallows. Right. And then the researcher leaves and then they obviously watch them and see what they do. Right. No, the in in a nutshell, and I'll try to speed through this, it was essentially like... When you're do when you're running a business, everybody will tell you what you need to succeed. It's your job to have clarity and know why you're trying to do what you do. So this is akin to like going to a grocery store and say, you know what you really need are Oreos. Like that is what will win the day. That is what will win your business. So you grab a bag of Oreos and then somebody else is like, what you really need is almond milk. Like that's the clear winner this year. Uh, what you really need are fruit roll-ups. I don't remember the exact everything they said, but it was like, what you really need is celery. Like celery is what's going to win. So you have these four items and you go to check out and nobody knows, you have no purpose. Nobody knows what you're doing. Everything is, you know, just, you're trying to do everything to please everyone and none of it works. If you go into the grocery store and you say, uh, my business's goal is to be healthy. You immediately know what items you're taking. You're taking celery, you're taking almond milk, and you're going to the checkout line. It just, it helps preserve those moments when everything is getting thrown at you. You have to do marketing, you have to do this, you have to do social this way. If you know what your stance is, you always know what your answer will be in those moments. Have you taken, so of all these books and of these things that you're talking about, have you taken, since some of these are self-help like that one, mm -hmm. are you, have you you found it interesting, have you taken any of them to heart and be like, oh, maybe I'll try that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, the Captivate one was very technical. Um, start with why it was interesting because it's very... Um, well, it's teach you how to make an Apple computer company. Right. It's, it's a lot more... I won't say heady. It was just, it was a lot more, it's trying to be big picture and I actually think it does itself a disservice in some ways. Uh, but you know, that's, that's a book that's like, it's good to, to reflect on or whatever, but it, it's not quite as tangible. Um, and then real quick, the other three, one of these was one of those eBooks that was totally kind of ridiculous. It was called How to Be Interesting. It was basically a an illustrated book. Like there's a lot of like circles and arrows and lots of fun little weird graphs about things. Uh, and it was, but it's. I think I wrote in my article that it's it's more akin to being shown in a dorm room than a boardroom. But it was kind of a nice quick read. It's basically it's a hundred pages of. Uh, start now, dance like no one's watching, be yourself, that kind of stuff. Uh, the other book, fourth book we are talking about is Predictably Irrational, which is essentially just like there are, there are a lot of seemingly random behaviors that have a lot of very predictable results and you can use that in marketing. Uh, some of the things were like, you know, if you were to set up a, a little table at a, at a college dorm, and on the table, you sell a Hershey's Kiss for one penny or a really fancy chocolate truffle for 25 cents. I, I don't remember the exact statistics, but it was somewhere around 60% will buy a 
fancy chocolate truffle. Let's say you take that and you change it, you drop both by one cent. So the Hershey's Kiss is now free versus a 24 cent chocolate truffle. And now it's somewhere like 70% Hershey's Kiss. You know, the, the impact of free, the impact of comparison, um, talking about how we can, I won't say game, but people judge everything in relation to what they know. And most people don't know what they know until they see it in context. You know, it's kind of the supersize mentality. It's like you for five cents more, you know, you could supersize or something like that. It, it kind of works in that perspective. Um, yeah. he, they talk about this, how they set up grocery stores. A little bit. Every, everyone always uh, yeah. talks about that. Um, the one that I thought was kind of interesting was, I think it was in a college dorm as well. Uh, I think he was a researcher at one point. Uh, Dan Ariel? Dan Arley? Um, he said he went to like a public refrigerator and he put six cans of Coke in and left them for like three days for a 72 hour period and they were all gone. Uh, but then he took like a styrofoam plate and put six $1 bills on and left it in the fridge for three days and it went untouched. So it's like the place that like, you know, money, like the moment that things start costing money, it changes your perspective. The whole thing about like, you know, you could ask lawyers to say like, will you represent these in need people like retirees or somebody for $30 an hour? And they'll say no, no way at all. But if you say, hey, we're looking for help, would you be willing to offer free service to these people? More people will say yes. And you know, just that, uh, that combination of, of money and of goodwill and all those sorts of things. Uh, the last one, number five was it's called Smarter, Faster, Better, the, transform the Transformative Power of Real Productivity. And it talks a lot about um, mental maps. Like basically people who are the best at their field, like pilots or something, um, really good ones spend a lot of time visualizing. Like visualize what goes wrong. How do you fix things? How do you do things when things are going wrong? And it triggers your brain to... Uh, do things according to what you've seen versus reacting to the unknown. And it goes, it deep dives. Like this was one of the most research heavy books I've I read. Uh, in fact, I think the appendix, like the notes bibliography is longer than any chapter in the book. Like it is very case study dense in a good way. Um, and it just talks about like, you know, kind of finding ways to get control of your actions um, it talks about the difference of there are two case studies. One is about a plane that I think took off either from or going to Australia and how basically pilots who, even though they were very skilled, uh, basically had a plane crash because of fairly probably easy to overcome circumstances, like small things happened, but they reacted to them versus having a more instinctual hand on what to do. So they kept trying to do things like, even though they knew they shouldn't be hiking the plane up further in elevation, that felt like the right thing because they didn't have a full grasp on what was going on versus another plane that basically, I think they said like eight out of 11 of the engines or the combustible parts of the plane were on fire. <laughs> and the guy, the, the lead pilot was actually able to land it safely and he was that dog he was like this is fine oh yeah <laughs> so you know just of having mental imagery of understanding what happens in chaotic situations so is that 
uh, mental maps, is that all meant mental or is that like actually like visualizing with using like writing things down? Uh, visualizing. I don't know okay. if the writing things down is probably to some degree, yes, but just understanding like, you know, even if you think about going about your day, it's like, okay, I'm go I'm doing my day, I'm going through this process. Okay, something happened. How do I get back on track? Thinking about these things in a way that your brain cognitively, you know, finds its ways to get back on track. Got it. So that is the first five books in a nutshell. Uh that's a very long take on everything. <laughs> but yeah. So you're feel so you're feeling good. Feeling good. Like I said, a, a little right. tired. A lot of stuff. So how many? We, how, sorry, it's five days in. We said. Uh, this is the, yeah. This is the sixth day. All right. So my question is, do we are we checking in each week on you, or are we going to wait till the end now? Are you checking in each week on me to like make sure I'm still breathing? Yeah, make sure you're <laughs> alive. You know, you didn't OD on literature. <laughs> well, I think the goal of this and what I hope comes from it, like I said before in the first one, um, the, the reading is not actually what I think is the difficult part. It's sort of, it's not a misnomer, but it's sort of the MacGuffin. Like what I'm trying to do is in some ways, see if I can focus on a specific task, even at the expense of, you know, a lot of time, a lot of energy, uh, while getting other things done. So I want to see if I can write more, if I can find more ways to be productive. And so that is a little bit of the MacGuffin. And then, you know, I think part of the show is to see what, once this is over, um, if it finds an audience or finds any traction or anything like that, it's like, uh, something I'm kind of interested in that I've never really gotten to do before is, uh, have some, you know, articles or have something and see if we can get it out to a bigger audience. Like, can we get, uh, you know, a business insider to pick something like this up? And I don't know if that'll happen. I've never had any experience doing that, but I think this is the kind of thing that would play really well to those kind of audiences. And I think it'd be really fun to use this show as sort of the, uh, you know, the war room conversation of what's actually happening. Like, can it be, can it be sent out to, to writers or anything like that? Like, I'm curious of that as like a second stage of this process. Got it. Yeah, no, I think, I think that makes sense. I think Hacker News should be on your thing too. Mm -hmm. Cause I think that that's one of those things. I feel like I see a lot of articles where they were not, they're like not specifically dev related, but like dev culture related. Sure. So, well, and that's something too, is like what, again, what little I know, and this will sort of be my first jump in the deep end with some of this stuff is, uh, my first step isn't going to go to, isn't going to be to go to Forbes and ABC news and try to see if they'll pick it up. It's to start smaller and maybe do some guest podcasts. Um, get to some small blogs, pick that up a little bit, see if then maybe like a Reddit or a Hacker News picks up on it and see if it scales kind of bottom swell up versus, you know, being like, hey, Huffington Post, I have an article. I bet you'll like it. I think they turned into like a PR, like purely like PR um, outfit. So is this the point that we go into the Patreon plug? Do we have a Patreon now? <laughs> I was going to say, if we need a lot of money. I want money. Yeah, as someone who's worked in startups and has had 
He worked with PR people in startups. A lot of these, more than you would think, a lot of these publications are purely pay-to-play publications. Many more than you would think. I, I agree. And the idea, like you're right, the idea of 50 books in 30 days is so outrageously crazy that someone would want to write about it. Like even like 30 days, 30 books in 30 days is a little bit like, eh, okay. But 50, it's like this guy has a problem it's, and I want to know what somewhere. it's about. This kid is going places. Yeah. So I'll forever make myself, I'll hold on to this. If it's my one, my 15 minutes of fame, I'll hold on to this in every future <laughs> podcast I do. In the future, everyone will have a subreddit about them. That's what Andy Warhol said. Yeah. So that's the goal so far. We'll check back in, uh, I guess, sometime next week. And uh, like I said, there's new posts. We'll have posts in the show notes for Medium articles uh, for a focused, a recently created focus state. Uh, There's a little, there's an article up there already talking about the challenge and what I'm trying to get out of it. Uh, Obviously, if you're listening, you've heard the bulk of everything. Uh, And I'd really be interested what the the share kind of what if it spreads, if there's legs to it and kind of what that looks like. Great. And I'm looking forward to when you read some of my book list. You did read Creativity Inc., but I don't remember anything about it. So sorry. The problem is all the ones that I, almost all of the ones that I gave you, I read such a long time ago, I don't remember anything about them. <laughs> so you'll be like telling me as if they were new. I was really hoping you were going to say to read some of your books. And I find out you have a rich tapestry of books. <laughs> They're all Corgi fan fiction. Can we write a children's book about a Corgi who gets into podcasting? Oh my God, that would be so good. That is like the kind of shit people love. Done. It's another. That You know what I need right now more than anything? Is a big time suck in my time. <laughs> <laughs>